Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And at that point, did you realize it could be forever? Yeah. From then, I said to my first boy, I'm not coming out. Anybody mess with me in jail, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> That's the first thing that went through my head. This is A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. I'm Chris Atkins, and I'm a filmmaker who was jailed for tax fraud in 2016. I got sentenced to five years, served two and a half, and I've written a book about my time in Wandsworth Prison, also called A Bit of a Stretch. In jail... I met loads of fascinating characters. And since I got out, I've recorded over 20 conversations with ex-prisoners. Their stories are heartbreaking, uplifting, funny, shocking, and often downright weird. The names have been changed, but their voices are real. They'll take us headfirst into the worst prison crisis in history and reveal a broken system that is failing victims and the wider public. Each episode is based around a different theme. And this one is all about change. Prisons are supposed to have three purposes. Public protection, punishment and rehabilitation. But increasingly, inmates just walk out the gate and go straight back into crime. So how do some people buck the trend and fundamentally change who they are? Had you been to jail before? Yeah. But this one I knew is going to be a very long time. Why? Because of the firearms? Firearms and everything else. This is Flynn. He was convicted of drugs and firearms offences and given an IPP sentence. But it was an IPP six and a half. So indeterminate sentence, six and a half minimum? Yeah. IPP is a life sentence without telling you it's a life sentence. We thought to ourselves, oh my God, like that's it. What jail did he go to? I was in Penneville. When I was walking up, an officer was trying to push me up the stairs and I turned around to kick him down the stairs. I was going to kick him in the face. Why? Because you were just so agitated? I was so agitated. I literally was going to hurt anything. That's how my head was gone. So you didn't fear the system? Not one bit. What are you going to do to me? You can't do nothing to me. You already sent me to life, so there is nothing else you can do. So you weren't incentivized to behave well? There was no incentivized, no. Sounds like you're almost incentivized to behave badly. Yeah. I literally went around just bullying the shit out of people. You bullied people? Yeah, because, hey, I'm a lifer. Who cares? What did you do? I took phones. I took weed. I sold weed. I took burn. I took people canteen. Really? Yeah. But I just can't imagine your manner. You just always seem so nice. 
IPP sentences were introduced in 2003, allowing serious offenders to be detained indefinitely until they proved they were safe for release. These sentences have since been scrapped, but thousands remain stuck in the system, with little hope of ever getting out. Like many other IPP prisoners, Flynn got stuck in a cycle of violence until he got an intervention from an unlikely quarter. The imam and the preacher seen me actually spurring out of control and they actually pulled me and they say, listen, you're mad all the time and we believe you're going to do something stupid. They said, we want you to take a course. It was the sycamore tree course. Victim awareness. Victim awareness. Victim awareness is a rehabilitation programme running in many British prisons part of a wider policy of restorative justice. The course brings offenders face to face with real victims to make them understand the consequences of their crimes. And I remember this white lady came in with her husband and she was talking about what happened to her son. What something bad had happened to her son? Yeah, he died. Oh, wow. I literally, I said, I don't want to hear this shit. I don't care about your son. Do you think that was appropriate for you to challenge that? No. So it's fair to say that the victim awareness course didn't have the desired impact on you? It did after a while. I felt sorry for the dad. Don't ask me why. I really felt sorry for him. And did you, when you were listening to this, think about your own offending and some of the stuff that you had done? It made me think about my mom, the individual's mom. How they feel. I really can say that's when the change actually started to take place. So it did, that victim awareness course did initiate some kind of change in you? I was arguing against it, but at the end it actually did something. But I can truly say that's probably the only thing that actually did something. The rest of the course literally was a waste of fucking space. There are over a hundred different rehabilitation programmes running in British prisons. Some, like victim awareness, can sometimes change minds. But many of these courses are completely ineffective and are a bit of a running joke among the offenders who have to take them. In fact, I did thinking skills, I think, uh, about two weeks before I got out. This is Simon. We've met him in previous episodes. He was told to do a thinking skills course just before he was released. I think it was five days of two hours. And how are your thinking? Your I now? think that it was an utter waste of resources. And there were six of us, all of us in our 40s and 50s. I was told how to think by a 21-year-old girl who spent most of her time on her nails. I don't want to create a stereotype, but this is actually what happened. And she, she kept saying, well, this is the part of the course where I'm supposed to tell you about making the right decisions. We've sort of turned into children being talked at by an adult, so it's an adult-child relationship which ran through the whole time we were in prison. So if you've broken the law, therefore you need to be treated like a child and patronised. The prison system spends millions of pounds a year on these courses, but the government's own figures show that the majority have no impact on reoffending whatsoever. This is the equivalent of the NHS prescribing medicine that they know doesn't work. Incredibly, some of these programmes actually do more harm than good. The Sex Offender Treatment Programme was introduced in 1992 
and cost over £100 million to run. In 2012, a study showed that people taking the course were more likely to commit further sex crimes, as it normalised their behaviour. The government suppressed the study, and the programme continued for five more years, until it was eventually cancelled in 2017. But inmates are still forced to do similar programmes. IPP prisoners like Flynn have to play the game, as completing these courses is the only way that they can ever get released. I took a drug awareness course, drug and alcohol awareness, mandatory. Is it a CALM course? I took a CALM course. What, C-A-L-M? Yeah. Tell me about the CALM course. What they're trying to do is plant a new method in your head to see bad behavior. So all your recurrent behavior, these are red flags. So let's say you're going outside with your friends. That could be a red flag, because that's what you've done previous to get yourself into this mess in the first place. It does seem a little bit patronising. Yeah, 100%. It was the most foolish course I ever heard of. But did you tell them it was garbage, or did you, you play can't. along? Well, why not? Because if you tell them that, you're not going home. Because then the psychologists will get upset that you're deeming their course as not being productive. So even though, in your view, the course was futile. Yeah. You pretended that it was effective. Oh, yes, you have to. There was one incident that happened. There was four other guys that were sitting inside the classroom and they was bullying the psychologist. So I actually just got upset because at that point, I wanted to finish this stupid fucking class. Get your certificate. And that yeah. would convince the parole board or that, that you reduce reduce your... Yeah, your risk. These guys, they made the person cry. The person was in tears. So... I just lost it and I just reeled up against the two guys. I said, listen, shit, the fuck, don't shut up. You threatened them? Yeah, I did. It was a cognitive behaviour course yeah. to try and make you less violent. Yeah. You then went against what the course was teaching and threatened violence yeah. against them. I got upset. I told him, listen, fuck off, get out of the class. This person is in tears. I sat with the person and I said, are you all right? And what I got afterwards was a recommendation on my security file. A positive tip. This helped me out so much, it was incredible. Flynn did benefit from all these cognitive behaviour courses, but not in the way they were intended. The programmes taught him a bunch of psychological buzzwords that came in very useful at his next parole hearing. Red flags, they call something like in and outer. That's like who's your main family, then who's the outer family, and who's the people that you need to stay far away. There's a timeline as well. Flynn regurgitated all this jargon at his next parole hearing. This convinced the prison psychologists that the courses had worked and that Flynn had truly changed. You have to read the individual. These are just human. Even though they call themselves psychologists, they're supposed to have a major degree, you are still human. And the flaws that happens, you still have flaws. So I monitor your flaws. So you're observing them? I'm observing them very closely. So now I see what you like, and I play with that. So you almost manipulated the system? Yeah. I mean, that's very funny and also terrifying simultaneously. <laughs> I know you're not a psychopath, but that is the kind of thing a psychopath would do. Flynn was rewarded for manipulating the psychologists at his parole hearings. He convinced them that he had genuinely changed 
and he progressed to a less secure jail. This is a recurring theme in prison. Rather than encouraging positive behaviour, the system often does the exact opposite. If you're well behaved and if you don't bang on your cell door and you close up by association, you don't cause any trouble, there is no reward. This is Nikolai. He was 18 when a drunken prank went very badly wrong and he was given six years for arson. If you're badly behaved, if you haven't had a TV for three days and you start to smash up your cell and flood it, you're going to get a TV. If you've not been out for association for a week because you're on basic and you smash up everything and you threaten to kill yourself, you will get association. The more you act out, the more aggressive, the more violent, the more um, putrid you can be, the quicker people re will react to you. So they condition every prisoner, every young prisoner, to behave aggressively because that's the only way you get results. And the only way that you can not do that and still succeed is by being patient. And patience is something that you learn, it's a skill that you develop. But if everybody around you is smashing the cell walls, trying to get something, and they're getting those things, it is very hard, it's very draining to use your willpower to be like, no, I'm not going to do that because I need to look at the long game and think if I don't behave this way and if I prove consistently to the govs over the course of a year, that's when that, that trust will start to develop. The one thing that prison gave me was time and the entire time I spent um, reading books on psychology or self-development on therapies, behavioural therapies, um, philosophy and just started to read about stoicism. Uh, I became very stoic. How would that manifest itself? Being stoic for me is just so simple. It's you focus on what you control and you remove yourself from what you cannot control. And the only thing that I could control that I realised was my actions and my thoughts, nothing else. So once I accepted that, which is the hardest part, prison became tolerable. I managed to use my time constructively because I wasn't thinking about, oh shit, I'm in prison still. Nikolai was pretty well educated before he came to prison. This meant he could read all these books on philosophy, which enabled him to change from within. But this isn't an option for all those inmates who are functionally illiterate, which make up around half the prison population. I've been in the prison nearly eight years, couldn't read and write. This is Michael, and has been illiterate for most of his adult life. I've got a paper to the door. It can be about appointment. They can be and say, I want you here at such a time. I hadn't got the faintest idea what it was. And I could look at it a thousand times. It's like looking at a blank piece of paper. I'm a traveller, and I didn't have to go to school. But I'm, I feel so sorry for it now, because I miss so much. I've got sick of vaccine people. So I said, get up and do it yourself and don't be ashamed of it. Because that's where it does, I think, myself, shame comes into it. Because you block it off and you don't want nobody to know. I just recently started doing the Shannon Trust reading plan and I've been doing it for a couple of months now. The Shannon Trust operates in most British prisons and runs a literacy programme called Toe by Toe. It's a peer mentor scheme which encourages educated prisoners to teach other inmates to read and write. These would be people that hadn't had that opportunity when they were young. This is Stephen. We've met him in previous episodes, and he volunteered as a Shannon Trust mentor. I did teach a guy called Junior. You may remember him. Oh, remember yeah, Junior? yeah, yeah. Big lump of a guy, sort of guy you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. Mm -hmm. Actually, he just needed to be encouraged that he was better than he thought he was, that he could do things that he thought he couldn't do. So it was a confidence issue? He'd always been told, you're useless. 
You know, you can't do it. You can't read, you can't write, you're useless, you'll never get anywhere. I think he was very brave to be, he didn't, we didn't go and hide away in his room and do this. We did this in public. He could just say, let's play poker. And he's saying, would you come and help me read? Because shame's a big part of illiteracy, isn't it? Of course it is. He was willing to put his shame on the line. In the circumstances that we had, it was the best opportunity he was going to get. No one else was doing it. Nobody else was doing it. I thought it was worthwhile. I thought it was good for him. I mean, I felt good about being able to help him. And he did brilliantly. He did really well. So did he improve? Yeah, massively, massively. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There is a stack of evidence showing the link between illiteracy and offending. It's not hard to see why. If you can't read or write, then it's impossible to get most jobs. And crime can sometimes seem like the only available option. Here's Michael again. This is the third book, yes. And uh, I'll just take a page. The money was all gone. And there wasn't, wasn't anything left to sell. No, I could never imagine myself doing that. And I couldn't have done that six months ago. Because if I work hard at this, I get it. And I am getting it. I'm a man in my 40s. I don't want to be in my 50s and 60s not learning how to read and write. Because you do feel less as a person. Well, I did, I should say, when I couldn't read. Because I had to ask for everything. And my family, they're so proud of me. I'd speak to my cousin, and he sent me in a letter, and I could read a letter. Because it's not a blank piece of paper no more. And I can do it. And I'm somebody. Because when you can't read, you don't know who you are properly. And that's how it changed my life. In Wandsworth, I was one of the education orderlies. And I would get the new prisoners to take their English and maths tests. I was shocked by how many inmates couldn't read or write. Which was obviously a factor in their offending. It seems such a no-brainer to encourage literacy programmes. But Steve found that the prison's own education department was actually an obstacle in his efforts to teach junior. He ended up doing an exam, 
it's a sort of a multiple choice exam. It was a grammar thing that he had to do and he had to read the sentence and choose words that were the wrong word. He hadn't wanted to do it. He'd been worried about whether he'd fail it. He did that exam about two weeks before he left. I'd even sit with you. I can't answer the questions, Junior, but I'll sit with you. We got very nearly to the end of the exam and Alita was in the room sort of um, adjudicating. Is that what's the term? Invigilating. Invigilating. She wanders around and she looks at his paper and she goes, have you done that in pencil? Junior went, yeah. She looked at me, she you know you can't do these things in pencil. It's no good, it needs to be done in pen. You have to do it all again. This is the woman who's responsible this for his education. This is the woman who's responsible for his education. This guy's worked really hard. I'd watched him answer. He probably got 60 to 70% right. And the only thing that she could bring to the party was did it in pencil. That kind of sums up this prison system. He left prison and was sent off actually to Yarmouth. He'd never been to Yarmouth in his life, didn't know where Yarmouth was. I'm fairly sure he went out with his £47 or whatever it is, was put in a hostel, and he probably is back in prison because nobody but nobody will know what a brilliant effort he put in. So was it worth doing? What do you think? Well, I hope he'll have got some benefit that he can use. All the evidence shows that the best way to lower reoffending is with education and retraining. But these budgets have been slashed over recent years, so most inmates are simply locked in their cells all day. Flynn was set back on a path to reoffending until he unexpectedly moved into a cell with a banker. I had a banker in my cell, and he's the one who looked at me and says, I don't think you're far from me, but I don't think you can handle yourself sometimes. Sometimes your emotions do get ahead of you. So when there's a problem with authority, violence? Yes. But when this guy have a problem with authority, write everything down on a piece of paper. And did that help? Because at some that point, helped, that helped loads. you turned from this person that I don't recognise... It was the degree. ...to you. It was the degree. The banker encouraged Flynn to do an open university degree in business and economics. The OU has been running distance learning courses in prisons for years and offers a vital lifeline for offenders who want to educate themselves inside. Flynn had no A-levels or GCSEs and initially he found the work really tough going. The only thing was wrong if I never understand their language. I can't understand what you're saying. Everything on road I was doing is literally the same thing. When you say on road, you mean out with a gang Outside, selling drugs. Yeah. You could see comparisons between the stuff in the business studies degree and, and the stuff that I was doing, yeah. The yeah. only thing was different is the phrases and the way they worded. I said, but if you put it in weapons or firearms or food, I can understand it. He started to laugh. Food being drugs, drugs. yeah. When he said that, everything already calculated in my head. So you adapted well to your studies? Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. Flynn became completely engrossed in his studies. By the time I met him at the end of his sentence, he'd lost all of his anger and rage and was a really nice guy to be around. He had started applying economic theories to his own life and behaviour, replacing short-term opportunity with long-term planning. Remember, everything has a cause and effect. When you do something now, it's going to happen in 18 months. 
The benefits don't happen now. Like supply chains? Thank you. Or inflation. I look at guys on road and I can see, uh, yeah, you're going to go to prison. Because you were that guy. Yes. Because you were a repeat offender. Yes. And now you're sitting in this lovely house. You're a boring family man now. so different. (laughs) (laughs) So why are you different? It's... It's comfortable. I never worked. I'm mid-30s. Never had a job. And when I had my first job, I really liked it. It's weird. Have you been tempted? A lot of the time. It's my partner actually been ringing in my ear saying it's not worth it. So your romantic partner's saying, don't fucking do it. I think about it logically. It's how much money I can make by just working this nine to five. And when you go to jail for the seven years, you're making what? 10 pence, 20 pence per hour. Not profitable enterprise. You're making four, four pounds a week. I wanted to include Flynn's story as he actually changed who he was and turned his back on crime. But many inmates aren't so fortunate as just under 50% of prisoners re-offend within a year of release. Here's Simon again. Do I feel in any way, shape or form that the prison experience makes it less likely that I'm going to commit a crime. No, it doesn't. Not because I'm criminally minded. I probably won't ever break the law again. I hope I don't. But uh, if I do, you know what? I'm more ready for prison now than I was before I went in. Because I know what to expect. It's a terrible paradox. Am I more afraid to commit a crime because of prison now? No, I'm not. Actually, if, if I get caught, okay, all right, I know what to expect. I'd just say, fine, just make sure I go to Wandsworth. I know how it works. I'll I know, know people there. Which is an awful attitude town. But I can see that with younger people who are on the cycle of reoffending, yeah. where prison has lost its fear. I don't fear prison. Don't worry, Simon hasn't reoffended. Neither have I, in case you're wondering. But Simon admitted that he did get some positive benefit from his time in prison. You go through prison, which is a really tough experience, and you toughen yourself up. But the net result of it is actually that you are more in touch with your emotions. And you think more in touch of talking about them? I am more capable of talking about my emotions to another man now than I was before I came out of prison. You come out a little bit more humble and able to communicate on a, maybe in touch with your female side, but you were able to talk about emotions in a much clearer way than I ever did before. After making this podcast, I'd agree with Simon 100%. These contributors have all been extremely open about their emotions and fears. But it's not only inmates who suffer from our collapsing prison system. I had huge respect for most of the officers in Wandsworth, who worked in horrendous conditions for terrible pay. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode and hear some shocking stories from two former prison officers. I just went off and locked myself in the toilet for 10, 15 minutes until I'd calmed down. You don't want to cry in front of the prisoners. We had quite a few suicides in my time, and it's frightening how quickly you become desensitised to that sort of stuff. Prisoners, some of them were just so funny, and it made your day bearable. This has been A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. It was written and produced by me, Chris Atkins. It was also produced by Victoria Hollingsworth. The music is by Vincent Watts. The sound mix was by Stephen Goldsmith. Since this podcast was recorded, some of these contributors have gone back inside, some of them several times. 
So I've written another book to find out why so many ex-prisoners re-offend again and again. It follows a colourful cast of criminals who just can't go straight, some of whom you'll recognise from this podcast. The book is called Time After Time, and it's available now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.